Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Even today, we regularly honor the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of Proverbs 10.7. Proverbs 10.7. The memorial service, the communion service, the memorial service is the, is the bringing back the memory of the Lord. It says in Proverbs 10.7, the memory of the just is blessed. The memory of the just is blessed. The name of the wicked shall rot. Now, when you, think, you look at this description for, for Jacob's uh, funeral, burial, it's such a contrast to the, there's a, there's a recurring description that happens in the Bible that describes this type of thing, the death and the burial, the death and the burial. And it goes like this for the kings of Israel, for the kings of Israel. First Kings 2.10. So David slept with his father. He was buried in the city of David. First Kings 11, first Kings 11.43. First Kings 11.43. Anyway, Solomon slept with his father, buried in the city. And it says, in 1 Kings 14.31, Rehoboam slept with his fathers, buried with the father, buried in the city of David. Abijam, I'm not going to give the references, Abijam slept with his fathers, they buried him in the city of David. Asa slept with his fathers, buried in the city of, his David, of David. Jehoshaphat slept with his father, buried with his fathers in the city of David. Joram slept with his fathers, buried with his fathers in the city of David. Ahiza buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Amaziah buried at Jerusalem with his father, the city of David. Azariah slept with his fathers. They buried him with the fathers, city of David. Jotham slept with his fathers, buried with him, city of David. Ahaz slept with his fathers, buried with his fathers in the city of David. See all these kings, one right after the other, same description, buried with the fathers in the city of David. But not here, not here. This is an elaborate, elaborate, elaborate funeral. Nothing like this for all the kings. Nothing elaborate. They just died. They were buried. Next thing going on. But, but, but here, not for Jacob has this big description in, in verses 7 to 9. Why? Why? Why did God tell us about all the details of this great burial procession and the size of it? I mean, what lesson is there that God is trying to teach us from the size of this procession to bury Jacob? Well, to see why God did this, we need to go back and see how what, what, what Jacob said was going to be his burial. And back in Genesis 42, 38, Genesis 42, 38, Jacob said, he said, my son shall not go down with you. His brother is dead. He's left alone. If mischief befall him by the way which he go, then shall you bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now remember here how, how, how Jacob is speaking to his sons. He's so upset with them because 
And in this moment of, being, of emotional outbreak, he's really revealed how he feels. I mean, he thought they killed Joseph. They, 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 they saw, and he saw that Benjamin is likely not to live as a result of them. And so he turns to his sons and he accuses them of bringing his gray hairs down with sorrow to the grave. And then in another emotional outbreak in Genesis 42.36, Genesis 42.36 says, Jacob, their father, said unto them, me have you bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, Simeon is not, and you will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. So here Jacob, again, he's directly accusing his sons of being responsible for the death of Joseph, which he thought the likely death of Simeon and, and Benjamin, and he gives this stinging accusation when he says, me have you bereaved of my children, talks to them, and then it's almost like he's talking to God when he says, all these things are against me. God, why did you let all these things happen to me? Because I can't take it any longer. Everything is too much for me to bear. It's your fault for it. Anyway, so he's convinced how, how Joseph has died and Jen, Benjamin's going to die and so forth like that. And, 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 and can't you just picture God in heaven when, when, jo, when Jacob is saying all those things and God said, I heard those thoughts. I heard that, Jacob. And can't you picture God in heaven shaking his head and saying, is that really what you believe, Jacob, that you're going to die in some obscure, forgotten, lonely uh, manner with your, with your two favorite children, Joseph and Benjamin, dead before you? Well, then, then you can picture God saying, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Jacob. Just because you feared that, I'm going to make you have the most elaborate, largely attended death uh, 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 and burial and uh, funeral ever. So farthest thing from some obscure forgotten thing going out to the grave with, with your gray hairs and all that. And as for your fear that Joseph and Benjamin had died before you, Joseph is going to lead the procession and, and Benjamin will be close to hide, close behind. And can you imagine now Jacob and heaven reading this, remembering it actually, when he said all those things, me have you bereaved of my children and all these things are against me, saying, guess I jumped the gun. Guess I jumped the gun. I wish I'd been more trusting. I wish I'd been more rejoicing than I was as a believer. So what this shows us is that the dark thoughts came on Jacob and he, had, he should have resisted them. Should have resisted them. And those dark thoughts come on us too. Those dark thoughts come on us with the me have you bereaved of your children. It's just a dark time in, in Jacob's life and he wasn't trusting God and he needed to resist and, and all these things are against me, you know, too much for me to bear. It's just dark time. It had to be resisted. Okay, now, look at this great group of Egyptians who are coming there, and, and, they're, and, they're, and, and another thought is like, uh, we look at all those Egyptians and we say, who are they marching for? Jacob. Jacob who? Jacob the Hebrew. <laughs> all right? Now, is this the same Hebrews? that we read about in, in, in Genesis 43.32, Genesis 43.32, where it says, the Egyptians set on for him by himself and for them by themselves, and for the Egyptians which did eat with him by themselves, because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, that's an abomination unto the Egyptians. Well, it was an abomination for an Egyptian to even eat with a Hebrew? And here's the father of the Hebrews, and all the Egyptians are in deep mourning for his death. And all the leaders in Egypt are, are making this several-day trip 
to Canaan to bury the father and then mourning there for seven days when they're there? I mean, what happened to all the prejudice that the Egyptians had against the Hebrews? What changed their mind that they, they were no longer prejudiced anymore? And it was this special Hebrew, and it was what this special Hebrew had done for them, which was Joseph. I mean, what cures a person from anti-Semitism? It's seeing the Lord Jesus and realizing he's a Hebrew. He's a Hebrew. He's Jewish. It reminds me when I was speaking to my Holocaust friend, Dorothy, and I was telling her about that the Lord Jesus Christ is God, and she said, well, he was Jewish. <laughs> and I replied, Dorothy, I'm talking about a little bit higher level than that. (laughs) So just as the Egyptians started out with this deep prejudice against the Jewish people, so the majority of the Jewish people today, they have a deep prejudice against the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see it when you speak to more or less a typical Jewish person, and you can talk about the Lord Jesus, without mentioning his name. But the minute you mention his name, the wall goes up and it's like, oh no, oh no. Prejudice. Selma, Alabama, 1950s. Here we are. And this is what God's described in Isaiah 1.3. In Isaiah 1.3, where it says, the ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Out of the question. Jesus? Jesus? Oh, Really? You're talking about, oh, no, 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 not Jesus. No, no, no. And so this this, is, and and just as the work of Joseph accomplished the curing of the Egyptians from their prejudice against the Hebrew people, so the work of Jewish evangelism, the work of Jewish evangelism is really to cure the Jewish people from their prejudice against the Lord Jesus Christ, which is why I always try to use the full name of the Lord, when I speak to the, to the Jewish people, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to cure of the prejudice. Okay. Now, the list of who went up was extensive, but there's an interesting little note in verse 8 where it says, all oh, these people were going. Oh, but it's, and it says, but it says in verse 8, all the house of Joseph and his brethren and his father's house, only their little ones and their flocks and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. Now, why do you suppose that the little ones didn't go up with everyone else to see Grandpa's funeral? Why do you think? What? Okay, leave an insurance. Okay, now, the key is you've got to look at that and, and you see who didn't go up. It wasn't just the little ones that didn't go up. It was, what else? The cattle, the livestock, the flocks and the herds. So why would the flocks and the herds need to go up to Jacob's funeral anyways? <laughs> they didn't know. They didn't know him very well. <laughs> they didn't. But, it, it, but they're together, see? The little ones, the flocks, and the herds are all mentioned together as not going up, and that's the clue to what's happening here, as we just stated. Clearly, this was Pharaoh who said that if the little ones and the flocks and the herds go up, that could be a problem. So Pharaoh was holding them back, the little ones, the livestock, to be sure that Joseph came back to, to Egypt and didn't... I mean, after all, you had the little ones and the flocks and the herds, you know, that wouldn't take long for everybody to look at each other and say, hey, we got our families and our livestock 
and there's no more famine here. You know what? Why don't we just stay? Why, why do we have to go back? So Pharaoh wants to make sure that that, that, that didn't happen, so he holds back the children and the livestock. Now, we, we realize that, we read here in verse 10, in verse 10, that here they are, they arrive, they finally arrive in Canaan. It says there, they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan, and there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation, and he made a mourning for his father seven days. So, we see here from this description that we're not quite sure where they went, you know, but kind of there's beyond, beyond Jordan. It, 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 it kind of looks like they took a long way around. We don't know why to Machpelah. I mean, it sort of looks like that, that they went a wrong way. If you're standing in Egypt, you see you go that way. But I mean, if you're standing above Egypt, you go that way. So anyway. But um, anyway, they finally arrive at this place beyond Jordan. And they come to this man's place whose name was Atad, and he has a threshing floor. Now, a threshing floor is a very large circular area where, where corn is just laid out in, in this large area, and then they, 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 the oxen are brought in to trample them. just a lot easier than husking and so on, and you make cornmeal. So it's a really large area there, a very large area, and, and it was just perfect to get this great group of people in one place. Now, I don't know what Atad thought about this. I don't know if he was in asked. You know, but he's, you know, anyway, what is he going to do? All those horsemen and the chariots are there with their swords. So he says, no, no, take it, it's fine. I, I wasn't going to do anything anyway. Anyway, so, so there they are, and, and they're staying there for an additional seven days to mourn and cry for Jacob. Wow, it's a little different from our, our funerals and memorial service today where we try to fit into our schedule a couple hours for someone who died. I mean, these people are mourning 75 days back, in the, and, and, and they got this long trip, and now they're mourning another seven days, so this is really something. Anyway, so it's quite a sight for, for, for the little sleepy country of Canaan to have this big entourage coming with all the Egyptians and the horses and the chariots. And, and so, therefore, in verse 11, it says that when, they, when the inhabitants, they saw the mourning there, they said, this is a grievous mourning, and they give it a name, Abel Mitzrayim, which means the mourning of the Egyptians. And, 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 uh, and so that was really something. Now, isn't it interesting how it was the Egyptians who were called out as being the great mourners? I mean, did Jacob's family look like Egyptians? Well, maybe, I don't know. But, they, but, 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 the, but the Canaanites there were referring to the Egyptians. So it's very striking, again, that they name it the mourning of the Egyptians. Now in verse 12, there's this emphasis on how, uh, what Jacob wanted which was to be buried in Machpelah, actually was accomplished. And this is the emphasis that it really happened. You know, in verse 12, his sons did unto him, according as it commanded. The sons buried it, carried him in the land of Canaan, buried him in this cave of the field of Machpelah. Abraham bought it and so forth. So Jacob now, when this happened, he's dead. And he can't control anything because he's dead. And, and, he, and he's dead and he can't tell his sons, now look, I'm telling you now, you need to do this. Not that that ever made any difference. Didn't ever did any good when he was alive. But anyway, so he's really in a very incapable state, Jacob. He's dead. He's not there. His desire for his body to be buried, you know, it's just a desire. But it actually happened. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe Jacob really did wonder. That's why he took oaths from 
Joseph and his sons, but maybe he's really wondered, is my body really going to be buried in Canaan? I mean, it's not like it's a, any of us can just easily say one day, I think I'll just go to Canaan. I'll just leave Egypt, return to Canaan. I mean, so how in the world is my body going to get buried in Canaan? I mean, I know Joseph, he's the governor in Egypt, but he still reports to Pharaoh. And, and, and I don't think Pharaoh is big on people just leaving Egypt. Uh, oh, well, all I can do is hope. That was, that was Jacob before he died. And then when Jacob was no longer there in his most powerless state, he, he, he gets what he wants. And his body is buried in Canaan. I mean, I, we, we should not underestimate the impossibility of what it was for Jacob's body to be transported out of Egypt into Canaan. I mean, it's true that, that um, Jacob got everyone to promise that his body was going to get buried there in Canaan, but in the end, Jacob was still in Egypt. Now, just to see how impossible this prospect was for Jacob to be buried in Egypt, even though he had all these promises, just look at the last two verses in this chapter. The last two verses of this chapter in chapter 50, verse 25, verse 25, look what it says. Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will visit you, and you shall carry up my bodies from thence. From hence. Joseph died, 110 years old. In Baldwin, he was put in a coffin in Egypt. I mean, didn't Joseph get the same oath for, as Jacob? He's going to have his body buried there. And that was Joseph. He was a man of great power. He had the same strong desire as Jacob did to be buried in Canaan. He, Jacob got an oath, just like uh, Joseph got an oath, just like Jacob did. But, and Joseph was embalmed, put in a coffin, just like Jacob. But, but did Joseph's brothers take Joseph out of Egypt then and bury him in, in Canaan? No. I mean, it kind of shows how difficult this prospect was for, for Jacob's desire. Because Pharaoh and the Egyptians, did they know that Joseph wanted to be taken out of Egypt and be buried in Canaan? Of course they did. Of course they did. But that was not enough for Joseph to be taken out of Canaan, uh, out of Egypt. This huge wall, huge wall stood in front of Jacob to be buried in Canaan. That wall was called Egypt. And, and, and isn't that a picture of us? Not that we're in Egypt, we want to get buried in Canaan, but we, 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 we live here on earth, and just like Jacob was living in Egypt, and we want to go, we want to live again and go to heaven after we die. Yet when we die... We, we can't control anything. So, not that we control anything on earth. Anyway, so, so just like it was for Jacob after he died, though Jacob was dead, his desire to be buried in Canaan was done. That's what these verses are showing. And that's what the Lord Jesus said about believers. He says in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said unto her, eleven twenty five, John, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me Though he were dead, yet shall he live. So just as how it looked, just as impossible to imagine that Jacob's body could leave Egypt, but it happened. And just as, imp as impossible as it looks for a follower of the Lord Jesus to be resurrected from the dead into a life in heaven, but it's done. And when the Lord Jesus says in John eleven twenty five, John eleven twenty five, though he were dead, yet shall he live, that statement, though he were dead, was describing a huge wall, an obstacle of going to heaven. That's, that wall's called death, though he were dead. Just like the huge wall that stood in, the, in Jacob's way, called Egypt, to get buried in Canaan. I mean, just think of what happened. 
to the beggar who, who, who begged from Lazarus. When the beggar died, it says in Luke 16.22, Luke 16.22, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, when that beggar died, that beggar hit the huge wall between him and, and heaven, and that was that wall was, was death, just as Jacob's sons carrying Jacob's body to, to Machpelah. Okay, so we've considered the difference between Jacob wanting to get buried in Canaan, which happened when he died, and Joseph wanting to be buried all there also, which, which happened a lot later, 400 years, as a matter of fact. So what made the difference between Jacob when he died being buried in Canaan and Joseph when he died and not getting buried in Canaan right then? And the difference was, what we've been considering in verse 4, verse 4 was that Joseph, Joseph spake to the house of Pharaoh and said, you know, please request for me. That's the difference. The difference that Jacob, when, when Jacob, he had a Joseph who went in and interceded for him. But when Joseph died, there was no person like that to plead for him to go into Canaan. And what makes a difference for believers when we should be carried into heaven? We have a Joseph. We have our Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, pleading for us to be carried to heaven. And we see that in the Lord's high priestly prayer in John 17, 24, John 17, 24, where he prayed, Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. So when the Lord Jesus was pleading like that to the Father for us, that when we die, that we should be brought to heaven with him. That's the same as Joseph pleading with Pharaoh for Jacob to be buried in Canaan. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that there was a Joseph, but especially thank you, Father, that there was a Lord Jesus. Lord, to plead for us, to pray for us, and, uh, and to be our example of humility. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. 
early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four-disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get-togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.